Would you like to live a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Vetter as he introduces you to cultures of health and healing. Get ready now to try out some healing beliefs and practices from far and wide. Here's the host of your show, Robert Vetter. Welcome, everybody, to our third session with William Horton, where we're going to really take some of the teachings that he shared with us on our last two episodes and talk about how we can use them. William is a wisdom keeper and um, an amazing person who truly has an access, access to the oracle. And the book that I have in front of me is one of his books called The Toltec I Ching, 64 Keys to Inspired Action in the New World. And it's a book that I turn to over and over again as a way to, to put these teachings into action. So William, if you could tell us a little bit about that book, but also tell us how we can use it in our daily life to enrich what we do and how we live in the world, um, in this physical world, but also a world that's somehow connected to something mysterious. Okay. Um, let's see. It's called the Toltec I Ching because it's a um, serious and sincere effort <clears throat> to find the underlying worldview and practices of these two ancient indigenous traditions. One would be Taoism out of ancient China, and the other would be the uh, Mesoamerican animistic and shamanistic traditions out of ancient uh, Mexico. These uh, appear to have um, a mother culture in common because the Native Americans in the uh, in the Americas came from uh, northern Asia, crossing the Bering uh, Strait ice bridge on a couple of different migrations, and so the ones that uh, stayed there and then uh, eventually became the indigenous people in China uh, have certain uh, things in common <clears throat> from my perspective of their worldview uh, as those of the Native Americans in, uh, in all of the Americas. So trying to build on that um, and then with my experiences with the um, Tarahumara uh, people and my, my teacher there as well as my Taoist teacher, uh, and, uh, who was a master of the I Ching himself, Master Kai Oxti, and wrote books about it, in fact. A, a, great, a great man and a great teacher, great scholar of the I Ching. Um, my, my first attempt was to, uh, to remember some of the things that he had said, which was, first of all, this is, the, the I Ching is no longer in a, 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 an ancient relic of China. It does not belong just to China anymore. This is a world document. It's a world practice 
and it needs to be um, brought out into the world community and uh, not just uh, remain in uh, the symbolism of ancient China. And so it, it seemed uh, most direct to me to, uh, to, to speak in terms of the symbolism of um, the ancient uh, Toltec traditions as uh, we have them uh, documented in uh, the codices, the, the native uh, documents that still uh, remain. There's 10 or 12 of those that the uh, Spanish conquistadors didn't destroy. They literally destroyed hundreds of thousands of those manuscripts. And it's, it's one of the great tragedies. People talk about, you know, the, the, the library of Constantinople or Alexandria being burned, but the documents that were burned in, uh, in ancient Mexico is, is a true loss to all humanity. But we, but we have uh, perhaps 10 or 12 that still exist. And uh, so those are um, those are profound documents, and they 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 give us uh, a great insight into the symbolism and the worldview of the, the the folks at that time. And of course, there's all kinds of inscriptions on public buildings on on what we think of as the ruins. Um, and uh, stelae and things like that. So we have a lot of um, inscriptions and, and symbolism from, from the ancient times as well. So all of that said, the, the idea is to uh, combine these things into the Toltec I Ching and still have it be a working version of the I Ching, which means that a person can uh, consult it um, using yarrow stocks, or my, my preferred method is uh, the throwing of coins, because that that, in, that actually increases the randomness factor. And um, this is, as I said before, a, a method of uh, consulting the oracle. And uh, usually, a person has something in mind, or uh, that they want to inquire deeper into. And, uh, so perhaps we speak about divination for a moment. We have to think of it perhaps as a, a what they call a water divider or a water witch. You know, a, a person who who is uh, uh, looking for water with that uh, divining rod, right? You see, see, we're using all the same words: divining, divination. The divining rod. Is, is not looking for future water. They're looking for water that is hidden under the surface at the moment. And so divination is not really fortune telling. It is looking at the, the, the uh, direction and momentum of change at the moment, and uh, and what are the hidden forces that, that the uh, five senses don't necessarily pick up? And so the the oracle speaks to us of these of these more uh, hidden tendencies 
that are going on in, in the state of change. The I Ching itself is, is generally translated um, in English as the book of change, the book of changes. As far as the oracle goes, uh, it's traditionally said that uh, the more time that you spend with the oracle, the more your mind becomes like the mind of the oracle. And so that is to say that the more time that we spend in the spirit realm, in the timeless realm, the more our mind becomes accustomed to that presence and that particular mode of being. And that is not um, something, I'm, I'm not talking about being there for 23 hours of the day. You know, it might be an hour a day, or it might be, if we're a serious student, it might be two hours or three hours a day. But it's, it's what we say in meditation as well. If, if I just meditate and I'm in bliss, and then I get up and I go out in my car and I'm filled with road rage, I'm actually like creating two different personalities. And, and in some circles, this is called meditation sickness. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm becoming this this person on the pillow, but but when I'm operating in ordinary life, I'm a completely different personality. And this is this is not good, and this is not the purpose of meditation. The purpose of meditation is to improve the quality of our life, of our experience in this world, and our participation in it. Our relationships with nature and human beings and spirit. So the, the same is true with, uh, with divination and uh, spending time with the oracle. It, it is to uh, in, enhance our participation in life it's not to you know we say we want to have a childlike mind but we we don't want a three-year-old driving a nascar we we want the we want the heart the ecstatic heart of the child but we want the wisdom of the uh, of the enlightened master so the, every, everything is about balance and harmony. It is about the middle road. It is not about extremes. It is about becoming a well-balanced um, being and to, to, to make, to, to make a, a positive uh, impact on the world in, in the lives of others and uh, and we just don't want to leave nature out of this. It's to have a positive impact on nature because we're all very so profoundly aware of the... Uh, my teacher would say, uh, consider this, nature sacrifices everything for you. What do you sacrifice for nature? And... It, I think it's it's that personalizing of our participation in life is be, be, becomes uh, what we we become profoundly aware of and, uh, and creates an increasingly spiritual conscience. 
So take me through this, if you would. Um, so here I am participating in the world. I'm, I always like to, to, to hearken back to this concept in existentialism that we have this thrownness, that we are thrown into a world that's not of our making. And the, the analogy that I, I love using, and I don't remember who to attribute this to, but it's this idea that we were born into the second act of a play. We've walked into the second act of a play and we have no idea what happened in the first act. So here we are in this unknown world that's not of our making and we're trying to live in it. We're trying to make sense of it through the things that we do and also be, be human beings, beings of kindness and compassion. So how does the use of the Toltec I Ching fit into that in, in terms of my living in a material world and wanting to have a relationship with the spirit world? Well, that's just, that's wonderfully articulated, Bob. It's just beautiful. One of the, um, one of the fundamental perceptions of the, of the ancients is that there is a polarity. Uh, we can call it yin and yang, we can call it masculine and feminine, but these are, these are not just um, polarities in the world, Although, although in terms of cosmological forces, we would say that, that the one is made up of a great duality and that there, this duality is, is what creates the universe. But um, in the same way that uh, procreation happens through um, uh, egg and uh, sperm, that all, all creation is, is based on uh, the union of two forces. And so in the wisdom traditions, we're, we're thinking that this polarity is within me. So whether I think of it as yin and yang, or I think of it as my masculine half or my feminine half, um, these are concepts that are, um, are pointless unless I can identify them within my personal mind, space, heart, unless I, I know what do I, what part of me is that feminine part? What part of me is that masculine part? So, and, um, and so what we mean by these is that the, the masculine part is uh, the part that is a direct purposeful action. The, the, the part, so to speak, that will tunnel through a mountain to get to the ocean. And my feminine half is, is like a, a river that will flow around the mountain and get to, the, get to the ocean. But the difference is that the river is not really trying to get to the ocean. The river is trying to water each thing that it touches and that just happens to carry it <laughs> to the ocean in other words it, it isn't just that the behaviors are different it's that the motives are different 
And so when I can identify which one of these is, is leading and which one is following, see, if I can I shift back and forth between my two hats according to, the, to, to how to respond to the needs or to the circumstances around me, then I become a, a, a whole person. And out of that really becomes this, there becomes a union, this third thing, you know, what is sometimes called the immortal spirit body. The, uh, the, the embryo of the sage, various names of it. The philosopher's stone is, it is the, the transcendental ego. In other words, I am, I am attempting to uh, sacrifice my ego, sense of identity, as, as it has become conditioned by my, by my familial and cultural upbringing, because I get tired of it. I don't find that it's the most meaningful thing. It's not the most meaningful way to participate in the world. And so I begin to look at these, at these other um, modes of being and uh, ways of experiencing life. And as I, as I see that I can move back and forth between direct purposeful behavior action and uh, and being nurturing and beneficial to everything that I'm touching and that and that when one isn't working I need to switch to the other one immediately when that isn't appropriate I need to be able to switch back to the other one and out of this uh, it's like a teeter-totter eventually I come to the fulcrum uh, eventually I'm in the middle of that and I'm uh, uh, I'm, I'm embodying both of them with great fluidity. So we could say then that, that this, that the Oracle is our parallels are life experience. In other words, we go through the suffering of change because we're out of alignment with it because we become so hardened to one way as opposed to the other. And that it's through this back and forth, this yin and yang, this ometeot, to use the, the Nahuatl terminology, that it's through this that we become whole. I mean, I, I, I like to think of the whole reason to bring this back to the, the purpose of this podcast, which is to look at healing you know, we could look at our, our, what is our life purpose? Our life purpose is to, to become that whole. And sometimes it takes that, that suffering of being stuck in the muck of identification with that small self that you're talking about that leads us to, to the breakthrough, the growth, the being in the middle of the teeter-totter. Would you, would you say I got that right? I, I would, I would, I would say that, you know, um, my teacher would say, uh, shamans aren't born, they're created out of crisis. Mm. Beautiful. You know, and, and 
uh, technically everybody is a diviner because uh, if we look at hermeneutics, you know, which is the art of interpretation, we realize that every act, uh, every moment of our life is one of interpretation. And so d divination is the art of interpreting. And so everybody is a diviner. But because everybody lives in the spiritual universe, even when they're not conscious of that, everybody mm -hmm. is on a shamanic path. Everybody, and especially in dream, in their dream life, everybody is engaged to some extent with the, with the spirit world. We would say that uh, our dreams are, are like a tunnel. Um, because we can tell the difference between a dream that is strictly personal and a dream that is just, wow, what is that about? That is so far removed from even human experience. Where is that coming from? See, because our, our dreams are a tunnel to get to the collective unconscious, let us say, to get to the world soul, to get to dream time, the no wall. Um, that um, that with some practice, we really um, are able to use our dreams to move beyond strictly the personal dreams and the personal unconscious to move into the collective spiritual realm. And um, divination, because it sensitizes us to the spirit realm, that that helps us when we start to fall asleep and we have a particular mindset. We're now more sensitive to the spirit world. And so in our dreams, we begin to act differently. Beautiful. For example, for, for your listeners, one thing perhaps is if you, if you encounter something that is frightening, to you, you know, you, you, you encounter a being that, that scares you and, or, or you're uncomfortable with, you know, if, 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 if you can remember to say to them, um, we are all reflections of the same light. You may be surprised, pleasantly surprised at their response. <laughs> That is a perfect way to end. <laughs> William, it's been an honor having you here. And I, I should tell our listeners that William is a uh, somewhat reluctant teacher. I don't know if that's the right word. He's reluctantly engaged in the wider world. And I take that as an indication of somebody who is truly, truly connected to something deeper. You know, I think of the, the saying in the Tao Te Ching, those who, who say don't know, those who know don't say. And so uh, his authenticity, in my opinion, lies in the fact that he is somewhat reluctant in engaging the wider world. And it's a, it's, it's a great honor to have you here in this podcast, because I know you are reluctant to share out in an open forum. Uh, if people want to experience 
some of what you have to share, what in your opinion is their best way? Well, I do have a website where uh, my books are listed. And um, I would say that, you know, if, if, if they're interested in a lot of this, that to, to go and, and get a copy of the Toltec I Ching, I think they'll, they'll uh, appreciate it. It's, it's the only uh, version of the I Ching that is uh, written and illustrated with the same message in mind. In other words, the illustrations are not added on or something. The illustrations are part and parcel of the teachings. My, uh, my uh, uh, co-author is a um, Mexican muralist uh, who now uh, teaches uh, at UCLA in, in the States, but at the time uh, was co-founder of the Nahuatl University in Cuernavaca. And um, so I, I, I think you find that just artistically, there's a great deal to appreciate and that the, um, and that the basic ideas of uh, dealing with society and culture the way that it stands now. And I think that that's an important thing is that it's, it's how do we deal with um, governors and uh, power and authority and things like that. And how do we uh, form our alliances with other people of like mind? And how do we form alliances with people that are not of like mind? So we, uh, I, I would say uh, that, that that would be a, a really good introduction. A couple of other books are more about spiritual practices without talking about teaching too much. The Five Emanations, The Spiritual Basis of Good uh, Fortune. All of these are listed on my uh, website, and that's simply williamdouglasgordon.com. Uh, and... Um, uh, a person could always, uh, you know, there is a contact uh, button there and uh, it just depends on whether I get the message or not, but, uh, but it is there. But uh, probably the books are the best way to, to, to talk. Wonderful. William Horton, thank you so much for three really deep segments that uh, guided us right to the edge of the Nawal. So thank you, William. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you'll contact William and take a look at some of his books. William, thank you. A pleasure. Thank you, Bob. The honor was mine. I really enjoyed the time. And uh, all the best to all of your listeners. Thank you. This has been Cultures of Health and Healing with Robert Fetter. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe and rate this show and share it with others. Until next time, remember, your health and healing matter, and you can find your own unique path to optimum wellness.